Hey guys, it's Pete Comerford. Recorded a short bonus podcast for our second season of the Metal Guys Talk Business. Uh, we were with, or say we, I was with Liam Conway this morning having a chat all about energy um, and what's going on in the marketplace at the moment. Bit of a hot topic and many business owners are concerned about how energy prices are going to be potentially going through the roof. I know it's a bit of a cliche. Um, over the coming months or have been already over the last few months so yeah Liam works for an independent company that provides a brokerage service for energy solutions uh, recently featured in the times so um, yeah guy that's been in the industry a long time knows what he's talking about and yeah take a listen see what you think I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this particular topic Pete Comerford, one of the metal guys, we're with Liam Conway today. Liam, can you just give us a, a brief introduction of who you are and some of your experience in your sector, just so people get an idea of who you are and why they should be listening to you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, uh, I'm the head of sales at Control Energy Costs, which is a, a 41-year-old um, energy brokerage firm. Um, I've been here nearly eight years to give you an idea about I guess the kind of clients that we work with you know we work with all sectors um manufacturing is our largest sector by by a considerable way probably two-thirds of our clients have sit in the manufacturing space uh and up until recently I used to say that they spent typically between a hundred thousand pounds a year and two million pounds a year was our typical typical client yeah. um, and we help them manage their energy costs in terms of supply contracts so getting to grips with the market contract structures all that kind of stuff so I spend pretty much all of my time speaking to typically MDs FD CEOs of um, manufacturing businesses helping them get a grip of energy costs which until recently you know, most people, it was a fair cost to them as a business and they dealt with it when they needed to deal with it. But given the severe turmoil that everybody's facing, um, it is, I'd say in most cases now, it's probably business priority number one. So um, it's quite nice, really, because now we're uh, people are people are reaching out, out to us um, for help, which is always quite a nice position to be in from uh, from our our point of view as a business i think because you know energy typically as you, as you alluded to there 100k to 2 million it's still significant you know it's still a significant chunk of what people are looking at but mm. i think there's always been the mentality that energy just costs what energy costs so yeah you shop around for a bit of a deal but it's never really top of the agenda i think when we spoke a couple of weeks back you were saying obviously that's completely changed. You've had more inbound leads, more conversations. There's yeah. more going on. And really, historically, you were probably, um, you weren't maybe always dealt with in the best, um, with the best frame of mind from people when they were speaking to you when they originally phoned. So how, yeah. how has that changed? And what have been the kind of the, the conversations that you've mainly been having with these business owners? What, what are the things that they want to know? 
Um, well, I think first and foremost, what they want to know is not necessarily what we can tell them. They want to know when the world's going to, you know, go back to some kind of normality, really. And, and all jokes aside, they, you know, as a, as a business, you know, mm. just think the impact on that from a planning point of view is just an absolute, absolute um, nightmare. But, mm. but coming, coming back to your first point, so we, I should probably know the stats on this, but I, I reckon in the last three months we've had more inbound new business than uh, certainly in the last three to four years comfortably and that's really been on the back of um, a range of webinars that we have put on and we, we've come at it from a slightly different angle to most energy brokers and you were you were sort of talking about there that you know we're not necessarily seeing the best lights and I would I would agree with that and part of the reason for that is that you've got effectively glorified call centers claiming to be energy experts bombarding and harassing uh, businesses every single day about energy and and as a result they just they just switch off to it and quite rightly so it, that's never been our our mantra never ever will be ours is about you know personal connections with people we we partner with lots of you know trade associations trade bodies um, and we're not in the business of mass market. You know, I'd rather have fewer good quality clients rather than thousands of ones who aren't really that that engaged. It's not it's not our business model at all. And we were also um, we've been featured in the national press quite a bit of late, so both the Times mm. and the Guardian. And it was really interesting. So the first the first piece that we had in the Times went out on Sunday Times. And the Monday, Tuesday of that week was the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced in business, really, that we had people calling, emailing, live chatting our website. It was like, because we were featured in the time, what we were saying was absolutely gospel. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. because we, We've done lots of new business on the back of it, but it was the most sort of surreal PR piece that we'd ever done. And the level of new business on that was, was phenomenal, really. Well, I mean, you, you just... It, it's the thing, isn't it, at the moment? And I think when we spoke the other week, I said, you know, it hasn't even got cold yet. So the energy, and I'm talking more from a personal point of view, people are already kind of bricking it about yeah. what's going to happen this winter. The businesses are obviously using energy and high energy usage already. So it's, it's already hitting those guys. But I think it's going to become even more, you know, in the public eye and, and, and you're in that niche, really, as... Mm it gets colder and people start going, actually, this is really going to start affecting our pockets. So we start to look more broadly at energy. But yeah. what what, I'd, um, what I was interested to know is without, you know, licking your finger and, you know, your crystal ball or anything like that, um, where are we currently and what's, what's created this, uh, basically this total show, which is where we are at the moment with energy? Yeah, it's, it's been a... A perfect storm, really, of just so many issues which have caused the position that that we're in now. Now, clearly, the most obvious one is Russia-Ukraine conflict and the the gas from Russia. But actually, so that was uh, I think uh, March. Um, but actually, before that, particularly back end of last year, energy prices were spiking massively. Anyway, um, and it's really around fear of security of supply and I think yeah. what people um, probably hadn't really appreciated is the the correlation between gas and electricity in the in the in the commodity markets 
So what I mean by that is, you know, there's a big, big push in the UK and rightly so to move towards, you know, being green, net zero, and, and as a result, where the energy comes from. So for example, solar uh, and wind. Well, the sun hasn't got any more expensive to shine and it doesn't cost any more to, for the wind to be to be blowing or not. So why has that impacted the electricity market? Well, it's because the pricing mechanism uh, that we work to is it's set at effectively the highest marginal cost. So if a, if a generator is relying on gas, and let's say they're 50% gas generation, because as a direct result of the gas market has gone up massively, yeah. in correlation, electricity prices will go up massively as as well. But you've also got another thing which probably isn't spoken about that much really is, you know, this is a globally traded commodity. Mm. And um, in any globally traded commodity, you've got speculators and you've got people who are influencing the market. Um, and that has definitely, definitely happened of late. So we've had speculators who have taken speculative positions, driven the driven the cost up exponentially. But they're you know they're not using the energy; they're just you know a speculator. You know, Joe Bloggs manufacturers having to pay or had to pay the price of somebody effectively uh, corrupting the market. Right. Okay. So, and, the, and the, just the other big issue is is supplier's appetite for for business so you've probably had three suppliers in the fixed market for the last couple of weeks possibly months yeah. whereas previously you know yeah, you might have 10 to 15 suppliers fighting for a piece of business they don't want it it's it's just risk to them and the other issue is credit huge issues with credit in terms of you know if the contract value has gone up massively the supplier can't get the credit insurance to underwrite it therefore they can't offer a contract and those who are offering contracts because they know they're the only party in town have driven the costs up as well so it's just this perfect share as you eloquently put it that's just driven, <laughs> just, just, just driven ev ev everything up massively and businesses have just you know they felt they felt backed into a into a corner and no business owner or decision maker in the business wants that you know they they automatically it's in their nature to push back against being uh you know backed into a corner to make an uncomfortable decision yeah. and probably probably one of the reasons why we've done so well of late is that we're giving people alternative options to traditional fixed contracts and just having very honest and frank conversations with them you know just telling mm. them is giving them options and trying to trying to help yeah no no i completely understand i mean what one of the things i wanted to to talk with you about and i don't want it to come across like it's a pitch for your business normally when you take and i'm looking here more at personal because people will understand that more yeah. you tend to take fixed price options for energy that tends to be the norm. You go on the market, you put in what you roughly used last year, and then you get a list of options of the prices. I mean, why anyone doesn't compare, I, I wouldn't know. I think people still don't, but that's another aside. But generally, you check, you see what works out, and then you pick based on who's the cheapest or who's the cheapest that you know is one of, say, the big three or big five kind of energy companies. Now, for businesses, is it typically done like that, that people just go into fixed price um, agreements? And what's your opinion on fixed prices, given the complete uncertainty at the moment? 
So probably a fair assumption to say that historically uh, businesses have purchased within fixed contracts. However, um, our largest clients have, have not purchased within fixed contracts for, for quite some time. They, they have managed it via a flexible purchasing framework, which basically means they don't have to commit all of their volume on one given day. They can buy chunks over time and hedge and all, all that kind of stuff, which we support them with. Yeah. Um, and back in 2018, we launched um, a basically a collective, a consortium product, which allowed smaller energy users the ability to act like a, a, a big boy, basically, and get a seat at the table to purchase in that way. And the people who have done that, I have to say, all sitting very, very pretty out until 2026, like extremely, extremely pretty. Mm -hmm. um, now, fixed contracts, our view is that market is just completely and utterly broken. Suppliers aren't interested in the business. It poses huge risks to them. And it's interesting. I think it's just a legacy thing. You know, how, how many of the businesses that you're that you're working with would buy or commit to buy three years worth of metal out on one given day doesn't, mm. doesn't it doesn't happen so why are people doing it with with energy it's just simply a legacy thing to some degree it's probably an element of i don't want to say laziness on their part that's probably the wrong thing but they they perhaps didn't know there was any any other alternative because whoever they're working with is just giving them the same standard advice it's nice easy simple business mm. you can, your contract's due in october you know i'm a broker i'll pick up the phone three to six months before Ooh, right bob it's time to do another two three year fixed contract jobs are good and earn some commission speak to you again in a couple of years and that's never been how we've how we've worked and it's it's certainly more important than ever that you're not purchasing in that in that way because the premiums that have been added by suppliers to fixed contracts is just just obscene it, it's just it's just ridiculous i look at it in the same way as i suppose when you look at software providers like eToro that have kind of mixed up that market with brokering and again all the way down the food chain as you mentioned large and small can sometimes get the same gains rather than just the big boys but do you think that and again it's slightly an aside here but do you think that this will become the norm the type of relationship that people now will have with their business energy packages that in a way as much as this is seen as a kind of this is terrible and there's going to be a load of problems maybe it was the thing that was needed in the energy sector to actually realign things and get people looking at things differently i mean i'm just i'm just saying what yeah. i think is, is, is that what you think liam yeah i reckon it's done two things one is it's it's brought energy to the boardroom yeah um and they've realized the risks associated by getting it wrong not taking good advice not forward thinking all that stuff and the other thing that it's done, and this is probably this started probably as a result from you know, COP26, is that businesses are now far more aware of it's not even really the green agenda and the green revolution. It's about mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, how do we reduce our consumption so we're not paying as much? That just tends to, you know, tends to be a, a correlation between becoming green, but but definitely that has forced uh, businesses to think about how do we consume less how do we become more efficient to make sure that these bills aren't as high as we're 
forecasting to to see so whilst clearly none of this is is good news the only slight glimmer of relative good news from it is that people are now more aware of energy and the impact that energy can have to businesses bottom line and a move to become greener and therefore reducing consumption now you mentioned if we roll back a couple of minutes you were talking about companies that have been using this kind of I say brokerage method, that's probably not the right terminology, but I think you get yeah. what I mean there. Yeah. They're sitting pretty. You said it twice. They're sitting pretty at the moment. They're sweet because yeah. they can ride out whatever's going to be happening over maybe a four to six year period, four to five year period. Yeah. So for companies that are looking at, at this now and thinking, right, our energy deals are, are finishing, we might be paying, I don't know, half a million pound a year on energy. And we're being quoted now and it's going to go up to like three mil two yeah. and a half like whoa this is just we haven't put this in we can't move our prices that quickly there's a number of other factors because prices and materials have been going up as well but this is such a big proportion of our costs now we're yeah. really really concerned if the market's going to be able to swallow it can companies that are in that situation the kind of we're bricking it situation can they still gain advantage by working with energy the way you would work with energy or or have they missed the boat do you think well i think the, the honest answer to that is as things stand now they've definitely missed the boat in terms of where the market was you know the benefit of hindsight would, would, would be great for them um they can still purchase within a flexible uh framework they can effectively join a consortium run, run by us uh, to manage it in that way and i think there's two two bits in that one is you know, clearly there's an, a, a further government announcement this morning some of the detail of the, the support um but that is only for six months and this is going to rear its ugly head again throughout the next six months this is not the 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 savior to everybody's problems but the two bits i'd say is one is a flexible strategy gives you a fighting chance in the short term mm. but it also it also allows you to plan more effectively long term by having it managed like you know like the big energy users would but yeah they've definitely missed the boat in terms of you know for example so we've got clients who are sitting at an average purchase price effectively of 5p for electricity out until 2026 the wholesale price peaked for electricity at the equivalent of 90p so there you know you can see the real impact of bottom line of of making sure that you're managing costs in the best way best way possible and i think for businesses who have used a broker who have just as i said earlier have just come to them every every couple of years say you know time to do it again i would just get them to think about you know is this really what we need to be doing as a business how proactive really is this broker being and are they just doing it to line their own pockets and they could really you know they, they really care less um, about us as a business i mean I, I i smiled there when you said 5p to 90p not in terms of because i thought it was amusing it was more like i mean what a joke that you, you like you say if you've got businesses that are locked in on those prices um if anything they're, they're going to be in an advantageous position because they can really compete and potentially dominate in market sectors that that's, they might have been able to because of the price yeah that that's the yeah the, the conversations that we're having people with effectively is well if this is the cost 
you know where do we where do we recoup that cost from yes you can try and pass some of it on to your your, your customers you know shareholders might need to put in more more funds whatever it whatever it may be but the one of the key things people are saying to us is well bloody hell you know if my if my uh, competitors are sitting pretty for the next couple of years as you said they're at an immediate disadvantage when they're costing costing work um, mm. and I think that's probably what's come people have come to appreciate now where energy is uh, they need to get energy right because it could it, it could so if the government hadn't stepped in and we'll see what happens in six months time you know without wanting to be the bearer of complete doom and gloom we would have lost a hell of a lot of manufacturing well not just manufacturing but just business in general because there's no there's no way that businesses could support that level of cost increase okay so you you kind of segue straight into um into the government so what what has been said today in a nutshell and then further to that how much further do you think we need to go what what's your opinion on what the government might need to do so like most government things it's the, the waters are fairly muddy but in simple terms yeah. um, they have announced a wholesale price cap for six months from the first of october until the end of march which would effectively cap the electricity wholesale electricity costs at 21.1 p yeah. and the wholesale element of gas at 7.5 p now the important thing to realize is that is only the wholesale element of cost it does not include non-commodity costs on top of that so yeah. to give you an idea non-commodity cost for electricity broadly 12 to 15 p on top so 21.1 isn't it's going to be non-commodity on on top and yeah. gas typically between two and a half and three and a half p on top as well so those headline figures are just the wholesale element not not the sort of final delivered cost there are some quirks around contract types so if you're on deemed contracts it's slightly different to being on flex and fix but as a headline good news because i think more than anything it gives people some breathing space it gives businesses six months to try and get their head around what on earth are we going to do moving forward um it's backdated so anybody who signed a fixed contract from the first of april it's uh, they qualify okay which is good news because there's people who have signed fixed contracts um because they felt backed into a corner and they will now get the benefit of that for that six month period They've said uh, they're going to be reviewing it um, three months in to effectively look at further support for vulnerable sectors past um, the 1st of April next year. Now, how they assess vulnerable sectors, who knows? I mean, yeah. for me, it, it would have to be some kind of, um, well, cut into the chase, it, you know, if, if the market's still where it is now, every everybody's vulnerable. But it'd have to be some kind of ratio which looked at turnover versus energy costs as a percentage. And if you're, you know, higher than that, then you'd qualify for support. They can't just say, you know, hospitality is always the example when we're looking at this kind of support and, and, and packages. Um, they can't just say, for example, 
hospitality is going to get support, but manufacturers aren't post the 1st of April next year. That would just be ludicrous. What do you, um, and again, it's it's a tough question because I'm asking for your opinion here, but if you were sat on that right-hand side of the, the PM at the moment, what do you think should be happening? What would you be looking to do to really help the UK? In fairness to them, I think you know a lot of the stuff that Liz Truss has talked about around making sure that we have security of supply so that we're not relying on the global market would have an impact. Mm. So the more that we can generate ourselves, the less reliant we are on energy from other sources. Predominantly here, we're talking about Russia. So every day that we're we're one day further on from being non-reliant on Russian gas and we're not really reliant on it anyway as the uk but again we're at the you know the mercy of a global market so we're impacted from a pricing point of view they have to get the the biggest thing that they could do is sort of what i spoke about earlier which is decoupling the relationship between gas and electricity so that you know there's been lots of press and it doesn't really matter what side of the fence you sit on on this but around windfall tax you know, how is it fair that you know some generators are making excessive profits just because of the fact that the gas price is propping up the electricity uh, price? That, to my mind, isn't 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 right. Um, and the, the sooner they decouple that, the the better. Mm. I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have price caps forever. I certainly wouldn't expect it under a conservative government, really, because it's sort of at face value doesn't sort of yeah it's not there it's not their is it really but yeah so that's, i say decoupling between gas and electricity and ensuring that businesses are supported to to survive in the short term and the short term and this is the interesting thing isn't it that you know there's a domestic support package for two years but initially six months for business why you know what's 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 that what's that all about this podcast is sponsored by the UK Metals Expo, Amron Architectural and Anglo Stainless. For details of all three of our sponsors, take a look at the show notes. But for now, let's get straight back into the pod. I'd like to talk about where we sit in the UK because obviously there's there's big issues in Germany because they are so heavily reliant on Russian imported energy. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, if we just look at Europe, where are we in position to the rest of Europe? Is is everyone feeling the pinch? Are we in a better or worse position than our European counterparts? Where do we sit in that? It, it, it's quite hard to answer, really. So we're, we're I mean, so announced today, so government, uh, Germany have, have effectively nationalised their largest supplier as of today. We haven't got to that, that point yet. Mm-hmm. I think at the, at the start of this, so we saw companies like France probably support businesses further and they're about to looks like they're about to nationalize fully edf it's already predominantly state-owned anyway mm-hmm. um so germany and france i guess as the, the the two largest european countries outside us yeah are, are moving to nationalize certainly their largest suppliers I, i'm not sure we're going to get to that point really mm-hmm. uh, but but pricing wise everybody is definitely feeling it um probably more so Germany than, than us. Okay. Um, and I've got I've got two further things to ask. It's just we're, we're 
kind of veer off a little bit of a tangent from from what we've been discussing. But one of the big problems in the UK, in the manufacturing sector, has been talked about for a long, long time, is the fact that we pay a lot more for our energy typically, or not typically, we pay a lot more for our energy for industry in the UK than in other countries in Europe, where there's bigger subsidies or big subsidies for businesses. So although it's not a conversation point maybe for today, given what's going on, but going forward, do you think that those kind of issues still need to be addressed in the UK? And again, do you think what's happening at the moment where energy is moving up the ladder of importance, do you think we're going to get to that point where we start to really support our manufacturing sector in the UK so that we can trade out a Brexit and start to build up our export sales from manufacturing? I would like to say yes. I think the reality is very different to that. You know, so for example, so there's a scheme called the Energy Intensive uh, Industries Scheme, and that was effectively brought into attempt to make us more competitive, predominantly with Europe. Uh, and what it did was it removed for for certain manufacturers, and only about three hundred who qualify. It removed yeah. a lot of the green taxes and levies that they were having to pay, which made them non-competitive with with Europe. But actually, if you think about that, that's 300 of the largest um, energy intensive manufacturers in the UK. Well, that doesn't yeah. even scratch the, the, the surface, you know, does it? Um, so I would like to see the energy intensive industry scheme rolled out to more manufacturers because that would help them reduce costs and make them more more competitive, certainly in Europe, if not further uh, further afield. I think the reality of that is unlikely slim to none. Listening to what you were saying about Germany and France nationalizing or or fully nationalizing parts of their um their kind of energy production within their own countries, so they've got more sovereign, <laughs> you know, dependence on sovereign energy. One of the things that's been kicked around a lot in the UK is nuclear. Um, and we noticed just before Boris disappeared off that he kind of casually signed off another nuclear deal. What are your thoughts on having these hubs across the UK? Again, I'm, I'm looking specifically to help with manufacturing, not just for general supply. But do you think, again, that this is something that we need to be looking to roll out? It's not a quick fix, but if we're looking at trying to have more sovereign energy, do you think that that would work? And if not, what would be your kind of suggestions for, again, bringing down reliance on external sources for energy? Nuclear gets a bad bad press, really, in my in my view, it's, yeah. it's it's a fairly cheap and reliable, stable source of energy generation and certainly one that should be in the energy generation mix. I think it probably gets bad press just because nuclear is just, a, is just an assumption that it's just yeah. horrible, horrible, dirty stuff, isn't it, really? Mm. And it probably got a bad press around, you know, seeing to be green and one of the interest this isn't necessarily my view or the company's view but speaking to, to to lots of manufacturers as they speak very candidly to me is you know they, they really couldn't give a <laughs> give a hoot about about it they want to make sure that you know this green agenda they, they want to make sure that they're staying operational uh, you know it's interesting we say we've had talk about you know a complete swing in focus so we've had businesses who have ordered diesel generators to take themselves off grid now at yeah. face value it's cheaper than where the market was but you know how far removed from that is is it from the green green agenda 
Um, yeah, I know. It makes no sense. A guy I know well, he did the same. He had a helicopter fly through one of his power lines and it meant he was off. He couldn't produce for a couple of days. So he did the same, bought a diesel generator. He used it once a month just just, just to make it work. That's not so bad. But if you're, if you're relying on coming off grid to go on diesel because it's going to be saving your load of money versus where the market was, mm. that's just a... I get it, but that is just a crazy position to be in as a as the UK then moves to this transition towards net zero. That's as far removed from net zero as you can be, really. I think I think it's another we're diving into another area here, aren't we? Because of the kind of idea of having some kind of social and moral responsibility for the planet. Yeah. But yeah. um yeah, sometimes I think that's the issue, isn't it? It's almost like, well, do we want our business to make more money? For whatever reason or do do we want to actually protect and get involved with this kind of green agenda but i think for most businesses it's, it's brutally been as as much as we just got to do something to try and survive it's not even be about make money it's just surviving yeah, we're going there as, as that i mean if we can if we can just finish off uh lynn because obviously you've, you've we've covered a lot of points here very very quickly but again if we can just kind of finish off with for companies that ha have not signs energy deals at the moment or for companies that maybe have just signed energy deals can we maybe look at maybe spinning it in a way that it's not completely doom and gloom and look at some of the the, the green shoots potentially or, or or do you not think that there are many liam your opinion i'd probably be clutching at straws to to find some 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 really good ones i think i guess the the, the final bit i would would just say to people is make sure that Whoever you're getting, uh, look, it's, it's never been more important to make sure that the advice you're getting is good advice. How do you establish if you're getting good advice is, is, is the question, I guess. But you need to be really comfortable in, in the fact that whoever you're taking advice from, that is transparent, clear, costs are outlined to you in terms of their their fees what's in it for them why are they giving us this uh, this advice and also to use this next six months if you um are lucky enough to be covered by the effectively the price cap announced today use that six months to get your house in order because this issue is not going away um you're not going to be in a position come april next year where you're going back to you know previous previous cost this problem is here to stay for a long time so just use that time effectively to 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 plan and to make sure that you've got contract frameworks in place that allow you if it is via a flexible contract to act quickly and partner with somebody who um is giving you the best advice that they they can and if you're you know if you're if you're taking advice from some glorified call center, somebody calling you up, pestering you five, six times a day, every day of the week, just think to yourself, why are they doing that? And do I really want to be working with somebody of that that nature? Well, that's great. Look, Liam, really appreciate you being so candid, getting on camera so quickly, because um, I know you, you're very bit You've probably never been busier. <laughs> at the moment but um if people want to find out a little bit more about your brokerage your business um just read a little bit more about what's going on H how do people get in contact with you Liam so control energy costs sure within the, the the clips and stuff that you put together you can put my email address and my mobile number I'm always happy to yeah. take 
call some people and give them you know if we can help great if we can't at least you know that from your point you've done some due diligence to make sure that what you've been told is is about part so we covered quite a bit there in that podcast um we went a little bit off the original topic towards the end and just kind of generally went into energy and policy making and things that are going on or potentially could be going on that would be beneficial in my opinion for the UK manufacturing sector but I hope the podcast was of some value to you I think it's a topic that is really relevant at the moment is only going to become more relevant and have more public attention thrown upon it over the coming months especially as things get colder and it becomes more in the domain of the kind of public market not just the business sector but if you're looking for more information or you want to get in contact directly with Liam then I'll put the details in the show notes and yeah I hope you enjoyed the podcast this uh, this kind of bonus podcast for this season or for this series um, and we look to make more of these type of shorter form I mean say short form it's still what the best part of 40 minutes this but more of these shorter form podcasts as we um, get out and about seeing more people within the sector over the coming months and years so cheers for listening in tuning in sorry mike wasn't here today but he was busy at work and i will um yeah catch up or we'll both catch up with you for the next pod which will be out on uh, tuesday with andrew milner take it easy